The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. gospel text for this morning comes from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 to 11. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the child was tucked into bed and he was looking up at his father, just hoping that he would finally say it. The child hadn't heard these words in so long that he almost forgot what they ever sounded like to begin with. So his dad is finally tucked the child into bed and he's heading towards the door. The child finally musters up all the courage and all the strength to ask one question that he has been wanting to ask for so long. He musters up the courage and he finally blurts out to his dad, Dad, do you love me? Even a flicker of hesitation is enough to kill the hope for that kid. As a kid, you're, you're almost afraid to ask the question. As a parent, it gives you so much fear and terror that your kid could possibly ever think those words to begin with. What John asks this morning in his question is real, and it's scary. And it's something that we can't possibly overlook this morning. So today, what we have to talk about is we have to talk about doubt. And we have to talk about what your doubt wants to hear. We have to talk about its questions. We have to talk about where it can go. And we have to talk about what Christ has done for it. And like many doubts before it, it all all starts with one question here. And it comes from John, who's got a pretty impressive resume. I remind you to the last verse that we just read. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. In Jesus' estimation, John is the greatest. 
But as great as he is in God's eyes, John is still one of these born of women who is subject to doubt and subject to depression. And he's subject to these things. And all John had to do was look around at the drab and all he had to do was look around at the bars on his prison window to realize that this isn't exactly what I thought the kingdom of God was going to look like. God, where, where's the fire? God, where's, where's this judgment you've been telling me to preach about? God, where's this ax? I, I am ready to give it a swing. John had patience for what the reign of Christ was going to look like and what Jesus was going to do. And they weren't being met. And he had something to say about it. And his question is pointed. His question is honest. And it's very direct. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now the one who was prepared to call the way is coming into all of these questions. What, what's going on with John here? Does he need reassurance? Is he just trying to lead the disciples towards the right answer? Is, is he stumbling at some point that he, he wants to ask the questions through the disciples so he doesn't have to come face to face with Jesus? Is this an anxiety-ridden thing, an anxiety-induced thing? Is this just outright unbelief? We know from other parts of the scriptures that the prophets would go back and search over their writings to understand what was being prophesied about Christ. But can John the Baptist even make this question? We see other parts of the Bible where other people have made questions before. Other prophets had questioned boldly. Habakkuk cried out into the void, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, not save. And Job tries to even hit back at the hand that he has been dealt to. And he says, does it please you to oppress me? To spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the plans of the wicked? The question that John poses today might break our hearts. Just like the child who has to muster up the strength to ask the question that he does to his father, it's so much more fearful and mo so much scary to ask the questions that aren't being said in that moment. Daddy, do you love me? Because what happens if he doesn't? What happens then? Fill in the unspoken parts of John's question too. What happens if he isn't? What happens? then, then maybe they start to sound a little bit like yours. An honest question isn't a sin, but a rebellious and untrusting heart that is completely in conflict with what God wants is. God wants his people to pour deeply into the scriptures, to see what he has to say, to ask him questions and receive answers from the scriptures. God hates a crooked heart that wants to bend what his word has said to fit a narrative that other people want in their lives. Doubt is a lack of conviction. And unbelief is a fool's proposition. And in a perfect world, neither of these two things would exist. Now, I don't, I don't want to come up here and I don't want to pour some sugar or pour some honey on this. And I don't want to minimize what doubt is in our lives. Doubt is not a place that you want to be in. Doubt is not a place that you want to live, and it's not a place that you want to swim in forever. 
I was sitting in class in high school when one of, uh, one of my classmates asked one of those questions. One of those questions where everyone in the class is thinking, how, do, how can you possibly think that? How can you possibly think what you just said out loud was actually going to be true? And then my teacher, Mr. Becker, he, he started to pick up that the rest of the class was starting to feel the same and that the rest of the class wasn't paying attention to the question. So what he said was this. He said, there cannot be any stupid questions in this class because what that person just asked might be on the minds of someone else in this room. And if you haven't had a moment where you need to wrestle with your faith or you haven't had a moment where you have to wrestle with your faith, it's coming. And when it comes, it will hit hard and it's going to come fast and you need to be armed and ready when it does. You need to know where to go when those doubts start to creep in. Doesn't God's heart work in the same way? Isn't it littered throughout the Psalms that we can go to him when, all, when trials and when troubles and uncertainty come in? Doesn't God welcome the chance to talk and give comfort to his people? John is brave enough to ask this question this morning. And as great as he is, and as great as he is in the eyes of Jesus, he's weak in this moment. But that did not rule him out. By God's grace, he knew where to go to get an answer. He knew where to go with his doubts. And the first place he took it to was right to his brothers. This was not something that he just left bottled up inside of him. This is something where he took that bottle, he broke the neck, and he just poured it out and he let it, laid it on thick for his brothers. He wanted to discuss it with the people who had been with him, who know, knew the message so well. How many of us are willing to ask something of our peers that they might end up thinking legitimately after it? Like, what does this person, how can this person possibly think something like that? But that's exactly what we want to be able to do at this church. We are so much better. We are so much stronger. We are so much more united in the faith when we are talking about things like this. We can't let doubts left. We can't let doubts just spin around in a bottle. We can't let doubts be like stains on clothes in a washing machine where we just try and spin them and spin them and spin them around, but then we don't actually take them out of the machine. None of those stains and none of those doubts are ever going to come out. If anything, they're going to be more permanently entrenched and we're going to be having a tough time wearing those clothes ever again. John took it right to his brothers, who took it right to his Lord. And John put his question right at his Savior and the powerful and unchangeable works that he heard while he was in prison. Jesus said, go tell John about what you hear and what you see. Jesus didn't you little of faith, John, here. He pointed right to where the scriptures were. He pointed right back to what his message was all about. He pointed right back to the message that John proclaimed to preach. This is a noble and this is an honorable Christian man, John, who was pressured in few ways that some of us are able to understand. But his answer to, to those doubts were the same ones that we need to hear too. 
and he knew just where to get it. He needed a hug from Jesus, and that's exactly what he got. He heard the words that he needed to hear in that moment. And, John, and God gave John and those disciples the indisputable evidence that they needed. He pointed to his very works. He pointed to the very works that John said that he was going to do. He pointed to those works because our salvation has never depended on how firm or how strong we feel in the moment. Our salvation has always depended on what Christ did on this earth. Our salvation has always depended on when Christ went to that cross and he said, it is finished. Never depended on how we feel about it. Our salvation has depended on the indisputable fact that Jesus died for our sins. He died that death so that you can come to him when you're weary, when you're bent out of shape from the life that you're And when you have those doubts that come in and you can hear the words of your savior that say, child, you're forgiven. Child, yes, come to me with all of your questions. Yes, child, you are loved. And don't let anyone tell you aren't. Yes, child, are blessed more than you could ever imagine. We need to be ready to talk about the things that scare us most. And doubt is one of these things. I don't know if the sermon is going to help you this afternoon, later this week, later this month, or even later this year. But it might in five, or it might in ten. And we'll be able to go back and we'll be able to read this account again. And we'll be able to thank God that we were able, that John was able to ask this question. And he could show us where we can go with our doubts to our brothers and straight to our Lord. And talking to Christian brothers and sisters is one of the best ways that we can confront these issues, especially when they know where to point you, especially when they know to point you to Christ and the works that Christ has you. So lean on these people around you. Lean on me. Lean on pastor. When you're sick of leaning on us, brush us aside and go right to your Savior, who has done all the works that we proclaim and who has, earned, who has won salvation for you and took on everything for you and wants to hear from you. That's what your doubt wants to hear. Amen.